Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. And if you um, sign up, you get an extra bonus episode every week of like my weekly roundup. And right now we're discussing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode by episode. So I have guests on there and we talk about those episodes. We also covered WandaVision and the Mandalorian. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. And my I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons and they are Chris Belga, Michael Cross, Philip Barker and Jeff Whitman. Thank you so much for keeping the lights on. Uh, and if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate this show wherever you're listening. It does help new listeners find us. Uh, I have a returning guest with me here today. I have Jenny. Say hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. <laughs> I had to. I had you to. had to. You had to. Hello. Hello. Um, and Jenny, if people have not heard your, you, you were on our Princess Mononoke episode. Yes. Yes. yes and uh, if... People have not heard that episode yet, which they should obviously go back and listen to it. But if they have not heard that yet, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Um, yeah. So I'm Jenny. I have no real major credentials or anything. I'm just a nerd, cosplayer, um, general enjoyer of movies. I, for a brief period of time, thought I would be a film person, but then I wasn't. But I like movies a lot, so... Well, you're in good company. I also have no <laughs> credentials. <laughs> so uh, we, we are, and a nerd as well. So, you know, there you go. We're both. Those are, those are very good credentials. I yeah, think. We're, we're qualified for this. Yes. <laughs> so, um, Jenny, my guest always picks the movie. Uh, what movie did you choose to talk about today? Kubo and the Two Strings. Hooray. So this came out in 2016. And it's a movie that I kept meaning to see but never saw till now. So this was my first time seeing it and I absolutely loved it. I'm like angry at myself for not seeing it sooner, but tell me about your journey with this movie. When did you first see it? So before I do that, I'm just going to say, I feel like you should have like some siren or like pew, 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 pew for like first time <laughs> movie watch. Cause I'm yes. so excited for you. Cause like, yeah, it's, it's one of those movies that I, feel like is really underrated and a lot of people haven't seen and don't know I what agree. I'm talking about but it's so good so if you haven't seen it go watch it now but um yeah so my journey with this movie I don't remember a lot of my journey with it but I'm pretty sure that it was one of those situations where my mom read a review about it 
in like the local art house magazine and wanted to go see it but my dad wouldn't go see it with her so she was like will you come with me and i'm like sure i like the movie (laughs) what a good daughter it It sounds like i like animation the premise sounds cool why not so i sort of went into it a bit blind like not really knowing what i was getting into and i feel like that's almost sometimes better than knowing and being like hyped about a movie and having expectations because i was just totally blown away by it and just like everything about it which we'll get into more as we talk about it but it was just blown away it was so great I love it so much it is really good so here's the the synopsis and you know we are not spoiler free we will be talking about different plot points so if you want you can pause here and go watch the movie and come back but if you're still here uh, I'm gonna go ahead and read it Uh, Young Kubo's peaceful existence comes crashing down when he accidentally summons a vengeful spirit from the past. Now on the run, Kubo joins forces with Monkey and Beetle to unlock a secret legacy. Armed with a magical instrument, Kubo must battle the Moon King and other gods and monsters to save his family and solve the mystery of his fallen father, the greatest samurai warrior the world has ever known. Um... Yeah, I mean, that's a good synopsis, although I feel like things happen a little bit differently, but that might have been to keep the mystery of what actually happens. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's a spoiler-free version summary. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's not exactly right, but I feel like, yeah, in order to preserve the the reveals and the wows, yeah, I'll take it. It's close enough. Close enough. So... Um, <laughs> The next thing I want to talk about, I've got a couple of quick facts. Not a ton for this particular one, but I got I got three. Uh, the first one that I have is at an hour and 41 minutes long. This is the longest stop motion film to date, beating out Caroline in 2009 by one minute, which was also a Leica Studios film. That's good to know. I, yeah, I feel like it's one of those where you don't realize it's stop motion animation. Yes, I was going to say that. At the very end, like, so I guess this is the first spoiler. The credit scene, you get to see some of, like, the behind the scenes, how they made the animation, and that's when it's like, oh, wait, this was actually, this was stop motion? Because I thought it was computer animation. Me too. Absolutely. Because, like, it's some of the details and some of the effects. It's so fluid. It has to be. Yeah, it's so incredibly fluid. And and I think they did add some effects. Like, you can kind of see, like, a green screen in the background. But it is predominantly stop motion. And that is insanely impressive. Yeah. Um, and for it to be, like, the longest one ever on top of that is just, wow. Very cool. Very, very cool. And, like, I just, in general, like, the, the and I don't know if I'm pronouncing the studio name wrong. So, please don't. No, no comments, no hate. Yeah, if don't I do, come at but me. I think it's, it's Lakia. Oh, Lakia. 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 Lakia? Lakia? I don't know. Lakia? Lakia? I don't know. It's spelled L-A-I-K-A, but I don't know how it's yeah, pronounced. Yeah, I have. I Someone tell say, us. If anybody knows, yes, please tell us, because we obviously... We're doing our best here. We're not experts here. But, uh, <laughs> but regardless, like, I definitely, I really liked some of their previous films. Like, I loved Coraline. I loved... Oh, yeah, that was really good. Um, Paranorman was really surprisingly good where I'm just like I thought this was going to be a stupid movie but like it's really funny um and so yeah I I just feel feel like like I saw that one but I I think I need to see it again I think it's on Netflix okay you should because it is one of those where like 
the trailer made it look like, yeah, I don't really care about this. This isn't up my alley. Like, sure, it's fun. And I just, I watched it one day and was like, oh my God, this is like surprising. Very, another another surprising movie of like, hey, underhyped. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Need to check that out. Well, um, another one I have was that Kubo's three string instrument is known as a shamisen, which is a traditional musical device. And I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but shamisen? Sh- no, I think shamisen? It's a shamisen. Okay. Yeah. But I thought a... that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is cool. I definitely, that one I knew. Um, just because I am a nerd and I'm really a fan <laughs> of Japanese culture. And so like, I've definitely seen it in like, um, traditional art performances and stuff like that through, through that side of things. And actually now that I think about it, um, so weird personal connection here. So my mom actually taught Spanish on a military base in Japan in the seventies. And so Whoa, I did I've not know had... that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's real weird, but, um, <laughs> Especially because, like, you think, like, oh, she's teaching in Japan. Is she teaching English? She's like, no, she's teaching Spanish. Um, (laughs) But she, when she was there, she picked up a bunch of stuff. And so I grew up with, like, a bunch of just artifacts, I guess, from her time there around the house. And now there is a shamisen hanging on the wall, um, like, right near the back door that I'm... That's so cool. Like, I just, it's always been there. So I'm like, oh, yeah, it's always there. And now that I'm, like, talking about shamisen, I'm like, oh, there is one, like, that's been there the whole time. Yeah, that's an interesting connection for sure to the film for both of you. And you saw it with her in the theater. Yeah, <laughs> weird, cool. weird, unexpected connections that we're discovering here. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the last thing that I have, and it's something I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. We, we, we had been discussing this before. Uh, this is the lowest grossing film to be released by Leica. And it's the first film not to make over $100 million. It only made $73 million. Um that's surprising considering the content, but unsurprising because I feel like there was very little to no marketing when this movie came out. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Cause like if my mom hadn't seen it, I never would have even known it existed. But right. on the flip side, it was nominated for an Oscar. It was. So that's, I think surprising to me that more people hadn't heard of it because of the Oscar nomination. Cause I feel like, there are definitely plenty of films that I have never heard of until they get nominated. And then I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I'll check it out. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I, I was surprised that the nomination didn't boost them a bit more. Yeah. I, um, so, you know, with the, I don't want to sound like a hater and I'm definitely not going to beat down the studio at all, but do you feel like Disney dominates and Pixar like dominates so much that there's stuff that you just don't even end up hearing about because of it. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. they just they have the audience, they have the budget, they can do what they want. And honestly, like because like yeah, I think that I'm also a little bit salty specifically about this movie not winning because Zootopia won instead of it, which I'm like, yeah. you have got to be kidding me. Zootopia was not better than Kubo. There's and no I will way fight about it. <laughs> Not to mention like Zootopia was like fine slash had some problems. <laughs> we won't get into them here. But yeah, it's like in retrospect, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know about that one. But um, it certainly wasn't their the cream of the crop. It just really feels like they won that one because of 
so many people know so much more about Disney and they didn't see this one. Yeah. So they nominated the one that they did see, it, it feels like. Uh, but this, I think there's been a history of this. Uh, you know, a while back we talked about All Dogs Go to Heaven. That was Don Bluth Studios. That was another studio that was essentially like pushed out. And, yeah. and it, it repeatedly happens. A lot of the time it happens because Disney, you know, snatches up these like really talented people on these other projects and takes them away and so they end up working on for Disney instead, which I can't blame them. It's I'm sure it's a much better paycheck. But I've noticed that throughout history that has happened. And so there really has never been another studio that's consistently stayed on the scene. It seems like they keep this keeps happening. So it's really disappointing with this one because I truly think I mean I've seen some of the other the movies I like Coraline, but I, I think this is even better than that. Like it's it's yeah. really good. No, I definitely feel like and I'm not as familiar or versed with all the Oscar politics, but I really do feel like this one came down to politics because yeah. and box office because content of movie-wise, even like like we just we already talked about the animation looking like almost digitally rendered because it's so smooth and you wouldn't expect it to be stop motion. That it it really and like the story itself is so complex and deep and moving and it has something for everyone that I really just don't. Like I said, I will fight about Zootopia not should, should, did not deserve that Oscar. Yeah. But yeah, I just, all around, it's such a better movie. And I just don't, not that I dislike Zootopia. Zootopia is fine, but it just didn't deserve an Oscar because it's not as good. It's also, I think, ahead of its time because uh, Coco comes out a year later after this movie and there's definitely some similarities i i don't think it's possible that they copied them because they were like basically being created at the same time <laughs> but you can definitely see some of that in this movie and then uh i saw raya earlier this year again not the same plot or anything but it definitely feels influenced by this film and you know just the fact that it it takes place with characters that are japanese and like a lot of female characters um which Disney is now trying to move more towards. So it just feels like it's like a little bit ahead of its time too. But, you know, that always happens. I feel like somebody smaller does something first and then other companies are like, oh, I feel good about doing that now. So not saying it's a direct line, but it seems like maybe because it's like a, a different studio that's smaller, they felt like they could take more risks yeah. with things like that, uh, with subject matter being a little bit more serious and... Um, you know, a little sadder, and then also having more female front and center characters than like the traditional Disney and Pixar ones do. So I just thought that was interesting. But again, it's not like me hating, but it is unfortunate because I feel like this movie should be like up there with some of those other films I just mentioned. Like it's it's as good, if not better than those films. Yeah, so, no, I, yeah. I would definitely agree with that assessment. And I honestly... I do think that you're on to something with the smaller studio being able to experiment a little bit more because yeah. I also feel like you see animation and you automatically think, oh, it's a kid's movie. Yep. And yeah. I feel like if Disney had done something like this, there would have been a lot of backlash because it does yeah. get pretty serious and it does get kind of sad. So I feel like it in some ways that I think it did like Kubo did pave the way for people to be more accepting of something like Coco or I haven't seen Raya yet, but, um, but something that's just maybe a little more serious subject matter and, and dealing with, um, 
like death and things tougher like that. yeah tougher tougher topics that yeah. kids maybe aren't as used to being presented in their media yes so. definitely absolutely um well, uh, I think you had mentioned before we started recording that you had some thoughts about the cast. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you so, tell me? I feel like we have the same thoughts, but go ahead. I am very <laughs> conflicted about the cast because I think that the cast was a bid to get more publicity and get more people into the theater to see it. And I think the cast did a great job. Like, I liked the voice acting. I thought it was great. But I thought it was also pretty eyebrow raising and weird that none of the main characters are actually played by Asian people. Because, yep. um, yeah, like they're George Takai is in it, but he's like a background character. And I think they have like, I forgot who the other actor was, but yeah, um, Mine Nochi, I believe. And then Laura Mira. But yeah, again, yeah, Alpha just a t- handful Takahashi, like, as, a, yeah. as an afterthought almost. Exactly. So just sort of like, really, really, you're going to take all this inspiration from Japanese culture and, like, the whole story and not cast Asian people to play any of these characters? Like, It's eh. so weird, right? Like, (laughs) it's weird that that's been such a recent change. Like, I remember when when Disney announced Mulan, the live-action one, they weren't planning (laughs) on having an all-Asian cast until the extreme amount of backlash uh, that they face and they were like, oh, just kidding. They're all going to be Asian, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, they had to sort of be bullied into it because there has been this Hollywood uh, idea since forever that, like you said, that they feel like they have to pull in big names and air quotes uh, to get people to come into the theater. But for some reason, only like white people become big names and I don't know, it's like this circular reasoning where, like, they can't elevate anyone Asian, but then, so then those people don't become famous, but then they turn around and say, well, they're not famous over here. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, you guys have created a system where they basically can't be famous, so yeah. it doesn't it's a make a lot of sense. For sure. like, yeah. It's definitely just sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't mm-hmm. situation where I really... And I do. I think it is changing. There are I agree. bigger names coming up, and it, it is getting better. But yeah, it's definitely something that, like, even when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, who played these these characters?" I was like, "Oh, really? Oh, I mean, I guess because like, yeah, it was like yeah. Charlie's Theron, and then uh, yeah. also um, when Beatles started talking." And I was like, is that Matthew McConaughey? What's going on? <laughs> like, I, I had the same exact reaction, but that's because I'm using my 2021 brain. Yeah, <laughs> Whereas so before cool. I would have been disappointed, but I would have expected it. You know? I, honestly, I feel like as Matthew McConaughey, as Matthew McConaughey is, I thought he did a good job. He did. Of disguising himself, because I do feel like he has a very distinct way of speaking and that's true. Of the movies he does. So I actually was surprised. I was like, this voice sounds so familiar, but like, who is it at the time? And then later I looked it up. I was like, no, no. You know? And then <laughs> I like, also sure, think sure was... enough, like once, once you hear it, you're like, yeah, that's definitely Matthew McConaughey. But I like, think, yeah. And I think Beatles intended to sound a little bit more country because I think he's supposed to be from Osaka and for whatever reason, Americans have decided that when someone's from Osaka, they're country. <laughs> I guess just to differentiate, like, accents, and it yeah. is a more rural area, so <laughs> that's, like, definitely, the closest we can come I up with. I definitely have, think, I feel like I've heard, like, that 
as far as like accent wise that they consider like Osaka as the Texas of Japan. So like, <laughs> yeah. it, it makes sense the, to put Matthew McConaughey the... there. So sure. But yeah, I definitely, I, I, I also find it kind of funny. Like why, why is Osaka always some weird, like Southern twangy accent? Yeah. It's like, I feel like there's a way they could do it. That wouldn't be quite so jarring, but yeah. um... and it's always like really, at least in this movie, I thought it was at least sort of, of a more subtle Exactly, accent, it's not as I've hammed up. I've seen other media where I'm like, wow, that is, they have made a choice and they have leaned hard into that choice. Yeah, I think we're thinking <laughs> of old anime dubs. We definitely are. We definitely yeah. are. Our nerds nerd are showing. Yeah, but. it's like every all the voice actors are from Canada and have no idea what people from the cell sound like. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's a different time. Um, so, yeah, and, yeah. I really, I do think, like, the main characters are very well acted because like Rooney Mara I agree. plays the sisters and Ray Fiennes plays like the big bad guy so yeah I feel like overall they did a good job casting but I still question why all the main characters are played by white actors but time and place I guess I don't know like, yeah no I agree I think now it's it's noticeable Whereas yeah. before we would be, we would probably have the thought of like, that really sucks, but that's Hollywood kind of thing. Yeah, it, like, it I can't change well. it. I, I don't just, like it. Yeah. But I think it no. didn't age well is the way I would phrase it for sure. Yes. Yes, definitely. But, and I will say, so one trivia fact that I looked up about oh, this go for it. that like definitely surprised me and I didn't realize it because I didn't know who Art Parkinson was. I was like, oh, there's like all these big name actors and then this guy. But apparently, like, I didn't realize he plays Rickon Stark in Game of Thrones. What? Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really weird. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, what? So oh I just thought that gosh. was really a fun little factoid. You're so right. Oh, <laughs> and, and we'll also, you like, you don't see him a ton, if, yeah, even in that. Like, so I would not have put well. that together. But that's I so think cool. that's also one of those things that, also rubbed me the wrong way about the casting is like okay so yeah you've got these big names but this this kid even even the knows. unknown has to be a white yeah, kid yeah exactly. wow I was like, okay, like, what, what are you doing yeah it's not like you can say there are not asian actors yeah that uh, oh my gosh it reminds me of so many times when i used to get into fights with people that would say like well they need to pick the best person for the job and i i would always say to that here's what the the area that you're missing there's a ton of best people for the job. There's a lot of them out there, a lot. And so the problem isn't there aren't enough Asian people that are the best person for the job. The problem is the casting directors look at your name and they don't pick you. Yep. And they see your headshot and they don't pick you. So it's actually the opposite problem where they're not going for the best person for the job. Yeah. But I feel like there's been a lot of acknowledgement in the last few years Um that those things are changing slowly, but they're changing. And so um, I, I agree with you, though. I think the cast did a good job. It's not these people individually that are the issue. And they did a good job, and it's a great movie. So I can still enjoy this film dis despite that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some of your favorite scenes from this movie. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. You Here always pick such pretty movies. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those where, like, 
I feel like this is the hardest question because my favorite scenes are all of them. Um, <laughs> because it is, it is, they're so cinematic and beautifully animated. And I think that is one of the things with the animated genre in general is mm -hmm. they have to pay attention to literally everything that you're seeing because they create it rather than like normal traditional film movies where like there is a field and they just put somebody in the field and it's there they don't have to think about like what are these each flowers looks like in this field like what oh is, yeah what is the blade of grass doing they don't have to think about it whereas in animated films they have to think through everything so it's it's a tough tough question but i i think i'm gonna start out with the literal first scene in the movie because i think that that is what makes this movie so compelling is it from the first second it pulls you in it doesn't Agreed. waste any time like that monologue is like okay i am immediately involved and like i don't know what's going to happen but i am in i am all in yeah um, i love the line like don't don't turn away don't look away even for a second yeah i just think that's you do, so our hero cool. will surely perish it's just like that is so intense and it's just immediate and like i don't know i feel like a lot of movies sort of take some time to build and take some time to sort of like acclimate you to the universe but kubo just like slaps you in the face and is like listen up we're going so i don't know, I, re I really really like the intro and then like the scene where she's on the ocean and like it's raining and it's storming and she's fighting with the shamisen and you're like i don't know what's happening but this is intense wow because mm -hmm. it, it's not even like it doesn't start into like a small quiet moment it just throws you in which I think is is really nice, and then it sort of calms down and gives you the the it fills in context afterwards. But I think that opening scene where it's dark and he's talking, and then you're just in it, is chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, I I really you know, and it's um you see like a little bit of tragedy right away where the mother, uh, she hits her head in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And then she washes up on the shore and, and I mean, you get the sense she was really harmed, but she lives, the baby lives, and then it kind of shifts over to present day. I, I thought even like the handling of his mother, who is almost like nonverbal at times, she's yeah. so traumatized and I and injured. She, for the rest of the movie, can't, she remembers things in like spurts and Kubo is basically taking care of her. But she tells him these great stories, and through those stories, he's able to go into, like, the village and make money. The yeah. only thing is, she tells him every single night, he has to come back before nightfall. And we don't know why at first. Yeah. But that later, you know, becomes an issue. Yeah, I actually, I, that sort of brings up a theme that I was probably going to bring up later, but we can do it now. Go for um, it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do think that the way they handle Kubo's mother as a character is really well done and probably one of the, I don't want to say best, but probably a really good example of a film dealing with difficult subject matter, mm -hmm. such as like 
dementia almost and mental illness and like he's catatonic for a significant portion of the day and like taking that and making it really relatable for kids and I thought that that was really like I mean for kids but also like as an adult I definitely picked up on that and was like wow this is really like nuanced and interesting the way they're handling it Mm -hmm. because I feel like a lot of times those characters are pigeonholed and just put in a box as like, oh, they're crazy. You like put them over there with like the drooling people who can't focus. But I think that it's really important the way that they handled her as a character because, yes, she is dealing with this very traumatic, probably a lot of PTSD going on, like injuries dementia i'm not totally sure what exactly yeah they don't really explain it 100 yeah but, but, but saying how she is still a great mother how she is still taking care of her son and how they formed this really deep bond where he is i guess technically her caretaker but not entirely it's it's a very yeah. interesting dynamic and i thought it was one of the many reasons why it should have won an oscar <laughs> i agree and then he's got this other friend when he goes into the when he goes into the village, there's this um, kind of grandmotherly figure that he hangs out with all day. I thought that was interesting. Like, his little friend is not another boy his age or a man. It's it's this grandmother character that doesn't ask a lot of questions. She kind of, you know, she helps him when he's in the city and she takes care of him. But she doesn't pry, I noticed. <laughs> yeah. uh, she just kind of lets him be. And, and I thought their their relationship was really cute, too. It just sets up that, like, this is, like, the sweetest kid. Like, I just I really like him. I, I like that, that character as well. And I feel like, once again, they take a character that could have easily been very stereotyped and, like, oh, it's the old lady. She's, like, selling her stuff and hanging out in the town. She's, like, elderly and respectable. But, like, she's got a lot of spunk and she's really funny and, like, yes, she is sort of a mentor and, like, a friend to Kubo, but I also, like, the part where she's, like, a chicken on fire, like, a fire-breathing chicken, but I'm, like, okay. (laughs) So, So she's really funny, too. So I just, I like that all the characters are very not very but like are are unexpected and not the traditional like oh you think that this character is going to be this way but it's not yeah. that it's not what you're expecting so and traditionally it's an old man that he would be friends with but yeah. i thought it was cool that it was an, an old woman and then uh when he tells his stories uh he he like plays that instrument and you know the paper kind of comes alive and tells the story for him which visually just looked incredible also I was like wow it was another like we were already really wowed before and then to me like this was like another point in the film where I was like oh my god this is just so beautiful I would have never thought of this like I love seeing like you said earlier movies that are animated that are so outside of the box in their thinking. And I felt that this scene was really interesting. Yeah. I actually feel like the, the origami and the, the way it comes to life and moves is honestly part of why I had such a hard time realizing that it was stop motion animation. Cause like, yes. there's no way, there's no way, which I'm sure some <laughs> of it probably was like digitally assisted, but still just the detail and the folding and yeah. Like, how could this not win an Oscar? Okay. I'm done. It's insane. <laughs> It's, it's crazy. Insane. It's it doesn't make sense. It's like the your boss baby <laughs> one. Like no, um, but yeah, uh, that was really cool. And then we later find out like 
Sorry if I'm hijacking by going too okay. chronologically. Is there another? Totally good. Okay. No, I, I said the whole movie. The whole movie yeah. is my favorite opinion. It is so the I whole am movie. Totally um, good going chronologically. Okay, so I, I, I liked. Okay, so then we find out, just jumping ahead a little bit, that, um, you know, the old older lady, like, convinces him to stay late one time. She's like, oh, you always miss the festival. This is where we see all our ancestors uh, with these, uh, you know, uh, lanterns and he's like oh you know he's like i kind of do want to see my ancestors meaning his dad um and then uh this this awakens i guess the the sisters or his aunts the sister of his mother to come find him right yeah yeah (laughs) is that jumping too far ahead i hope not (laughs) yeah no 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 you're good it's i feel like yeah it's basically because i don't know i feel like it also sort of goes back into the mother's character development a bit too, Mm. because I I mean, honestly, like the way you see it at first, you're like, Oh, like, is she being, is she exaggerating? Like you have to come home before sundown or like, yes. And then this sort of shows that no, like she was fully together and not just like, exaggerate not exaggerate yeah, not not just imprisoning him with her because yeah, I got that impression too. At first I was like, yeah, that's messed up like he can't live his life and like I get that he's a kid but it stinks that he can't experience you know the things that everyone else does but then when this happens you're like oh <laughs> it's a very I real see danger. now <laughs> yeah and I think that like it also sort of plays into some of the themes that show up later in it with like the moon versus the earth and stuff like that because oh. I definitely feel like the fact that the moon can see him now, the moon, like the people, of, and not the people of the moon. I don't know what to call them. The spirits. I don't know. I don't really <laughs> You're thinking know of Sailor are, Moon. But, I'm just kidding. But the yeah, <laughs> Neo Crystal Tokyo grandfather can see him now because he that went out makes at night. Sense. And that's how they've been hiding this whole time. So like, it's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, that that actually makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, unfortunately, when this happens, his mother does is able to protect, like. They come after the whole town trying to trying to get this yeah, kid, and they burn it to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. And then so his insane. mother, you know, uses her magic. Now we're like, oh, there's that magic we saw like in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and she basically tells him to leave. And that scene where she like touches a little scarab or beetle mm-hmm. on his back, and it he's able to like fly away, but he doesn't want to obviously because his mother is still there. And then we see like an explosion, so we assume that she's gone. Um, and he's transported somewhere else, um, in, in like the snow (laughs) and that's where we meet monkey. Yeah, I actually, so when I rewatched it recently, I was actually, I know it's the snow, but part of me also wonders if it's also ash because of the way it falls and the way it sort of lands and accumulates. That makes and I, sense. I don't know if for sure, because they, they are talking about like how he's kind of cold, but I feel like I thought that that was an interesting tie back to like the fire in the village earlier. Oh, so I like, okay. it, it sort of brought up another question on rewatching. Yeah. But I definitely feel like just that whole sequence of how he ended up on this quest and this adventure was, yeah, I, like once again, I feel like the pacing of the movie is amazing because there it slows down enough to sort of explain things but then it throws you right back into it and it's like you gotta run 
because they're they're after your eye they're gonna rip your eye out and it's just like oh god that's like pretty traumatic but also <laughs> i know like, the monkey the just lays it on thick Mom wasn't just like pulling <laughs> it out of proportion you know mm-hmm. and and monkey i like the way monkey's designed because she like when you were talking earlier about how they have to make choices about you know textures and the way things look she kind of like you know it's meant to be fur but it because she was like that wooden figure before um it almost looks like wood as well like i don't know there's just like a really cool texture to that character that i really liked i agree i I feel like it almost looks like paper oh you're right yeah i agree with that too because but i mean i think that ties into the the wood figure turning into a real life monkey where it's not really a real monkey but it kind of is so like yes i could see that I, i liked their choices with that and i also like I'm not sure if I should jump into a spoiler about Monkey yet, but... Um, you can. Remember, <laughs> it's not spoiler-free. We That's warned true. Him. So this is your second warning. If you haven't watched it, we're jumping out of chronology now, and I'm going to spoil <laughs> things for you. So really, pause it and watch the movie. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that like they could have made the choice to make Monkey look more feminine and more graceful yes. to re- like sort of visually cue people that monkey is actually his mother mm-hmm. but i like that they went with like this gnarly scary big toothed monkey that'll mess you up instead like i think that that was a really good choice and i think it also made the reveal later when it's like actually that his mother used the last of her power to turn herself into this guardian that much more impactful because I definitely didn't see it coming. And like, Oh really? I did start to suspect it because of the, the chemistry between her and beetle made me think, is this her, his mom and dad? But I wasn't (laughs) sure. Um, I just suspected it. And then the more it went on, I was like, I think this is his mom and he doesn't realize it because she has her real personality here where the mom that he's grown up with, is the mom that has suffered, you know, uh, a traumatic possible brain injury or mental illness. Um, this is who she was. So yeah. I did kind of, I did kind of see it coming a little bit. But to to your credit, the uh, they do a good job of disguising it, and I wasn't a hundred percent. Like if they had been like, no, it's not. Later, I would have been like, oh, like I can see that too. So it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like obvious. Yeah, I think they did. So I won't say that I didn't have any like sort of suspicions like this is kind of interesting. But I I think like for me, that actually brings us to my next other favorite scene. Um, The scene where they're on the boat and sort of having that like family moment. (laughs) Because I think that's where it sort of starts steering you towards like, is this really his family? Yeah. But for me, when I first saw it, I definitely read that more as, like, he's been in a cave with a semi-catatonic mother his whole life. And so now he's getting that experience of, like, a little family group and, like... Oh, for sure. Like, this could be his new family. Yeah, I I read it that way, too. So I I wasn't sure at that point, but but I I could see that, too. I think that, that goes back into their credit as, like, wonderful storytellers where it isn't like it's not super obvious and it really could go either way. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I think that they did good job both 
story-wise and design-wise not making it super, super obvious what was going to happen. Right. I mean, like, even Beatles' backstory of he doesn't remember, but he thinks he was a guardian for his father. I mean, that that makes sense. So I, I didn't really suspect at first he was his dad, like I said, um, it was like a possibility, but it was also like he was very goofy and kind of carefree, which later it makes sense because when you find out what their original personalities were like, his mother was like very mistrusting, like Monkey is, very mm-hmm. guarded, very cold. And then, you know, Beetle being this like kind of jump in head first, warm, fun loving yeah, like person. <laughs> mm hmm. And, and and warm and loving it is her polar opposite, and it's part of why they fell in love. Yeah, because she got to experience that. Yeah, yeah. They just they just did such a good job with characters in this movie. Like even the minor characters, they're all great characters. But I think oh for sure. Yeah, that that tie in with Beetle being his dad and Monkey being his mom is really built up really well, both from a building the relationship standpoint, but from like a visual cue of like. Is it? Is it not? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed that a lot. And I also, so that whole lake scene is my next favorite scene yes. because it is a a very intense fight scene, but also the part preceding it is so like it it breaks things up so nicely because it is such like a sweet tender moment and it's funny. Also kind of gross, because, like, the fish, not going to lie, I'm impressed with the animation because the fish scene kind of grossed me out, where I'm just like, oh, <laughs> shut your yeah, mouth the thought of having You're gross, gross. The, the thought of, but, like, like, having to eat that, yeah. Yeah, when it's like, I like sushi, don't mind, like, don't get me wrong, I love me some sushi and sashimi, but, like, don't... It seemed to be rotting ...out fish. of your mouth, like, it's too wet, <laughs> it's too wet. <laughs> yeah. So, Agreed. But, but between the texture on, like, like from an animation standpoint like the texture on the fish the the billowing of like the leaves that he makes the boat out of just like everything about that scene is so perfect like it's so well done it's heartwarming it's sad at the same time because he misses his mom and he's like yearning for this family situation but here he is in this like great like loving environment where they're where everybody's bonding over this gross meal um (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and it's just it's really nice and they like get to forget for a minute that they're on this like life or death quest to find the armor and like yeah i just think it's it's a very well-crafted scene and then the transition into like just the boat scene in general i would call my favorite Mm -hmm. scene like the under the water stuff is cool too, but I really like the boat parts because once the the sister shows up and starts fighting Monkey while Kubo is trying to get the armor underneath, like just the way the boat shreds apart and the fight scene and the rain and like how the movement of the boat changes now that it's in a storm condition, it just ah, uh, it's so good. It's just so good and it's so well. It, like sorry i just hit my microphone because i'm just oh you're fine i do that all the time (laughs) (laughs) i'm just so excited about this scene but um yeah it's just very everything about it is really meticulously well done and it it does it bridges back from the the heartwarming and and familial portion of it 
the humor back into this intense drama fighting situation. So I just feel like it has it all. It has it yeah. all. Yeah. Well, there's a big that. reveal here too because one of the sisters says straight up, it's sad that like my sister's magic is whittled down to this monkey. Yeah. Um and so that's you know that's where you're, you're really like wait, what did you, what did she just say? And, yeah, and that's yeah. <laughs> wink wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like wait. Um and and like she reveals herself to her son later but after that point i was like oh wait what <laughs> like yeah, that's really you know. when you start suspecting like wait a minute yeah um, but yeah but i also feel like can we just take a second to talk about the sisters as characters oh, sure. like how cool they are as villains like i just and i know that they're both so they're both voiced by the same voice actress and i just think that like the way they did that is just so creepy with like the, yeah. the levitation. Like, so they're both levitating. They never quite touch the ground. They don't have real faces. They have masks and it's just like, Ooh, creepy. <laughs> yeah. I think they look really good. And their motivations feel very like familiar to this type of story where it's like, you know, one family member, it's sort of this like almost Romeo and Juliet situation, or like I can think of some other like samurai stories that kind of remind me of this where somebody from like one family like breaks away and, you know, that's in essence betraying the rest of the family by being with someone else. And uh, it, it's like a familiar story, but like a little bit of a different spin on it. And so yeah. I like really appreciated that about it. But yeah, they look scary because I mean, they're not quite human they're living a little too long it seems like um and yeah they're they're definitely magical and we haven't met grandpa yet but it kind of gives us a clue of like man grandpa must be really scary then yeah well and it's also i feel like they are like since they are like lunar they're they are like cold and distant and very mm -hmm. like ethereal but i also really love the seething rage underneath it because it is yeah. revenge it's like how dare you betray us sister like we looked up to you we thought you were the best and you did this to us and like we will destroy everything you know like yeah i just think that the, the, it's like they're in pain too yeah um. but it's, it's <clears throat> the that duality of both being very cold and calculated while having this deep like strong rage emotion underneath it like the undercurrent under it is like oh it's so good it's so well done yeah totally agree but what what's like the next big scene after that one you think that you mean big scene that i like or just the next big sequence oh <laughs> uh, it could be either one. <laughs> oh, geez man um i don't know i do feel like I'm less attached to the whole battle of the castle scene where everything is revealed, but I do think that it's important and like realizing that the helmet was back in the village all along, but I, oh, I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. my next favorite scene has got to be the village fight where oh, yes. he meets his grandfather and he like, he saved the village. like, you guys get out of here, save yourself. And like the, yeah, just that whole, end sequence yeah no i Where, agree once again i just feel bad coming back to like literally the entire movie but but yeah i just i feel like that whole scene is so 
it's built up really well. And I think that like the illusions that he, they have previously, like the dream he has with his grandfather is this like kind old man being like, Oh yeah, go to the castle. That's where you'll find it. And like the, the betrayal of like setting the trap, it builds so nicely into, cause like, I, I really do feel like going back to the characterizations of like the sisters versus the, the grandfather mm-hmm. that I think that, the sisters are objectively creepy and scary, but I do think that the the grand his grandfather starts out seeming like this nice old man, like that it's been some big oh, yeah, in his dream. He's wanted him there the whole time. Like your mother's keeping you away from us, kind of like really duplicitous. Yes. And I think once again Ray finds very good villain. He's it's, he does it well. To the point that I, when I see him in other things, I'm like, are we sure he's not the bad guy? <laughs> but um, but I think he does a really good job of like being nuanced in that and yeah, making it such a betrayal. But then like had that conversation where he's still trying to play it cool and be like, yeah, just just come with us, Kubo, just come with us versus and when he finally loses it and is like fine i will burn this place to the ground again kind of situation i thought that that was a really good reveal well not good but you know what i mean like it's a very impactful and like exciting way to take the mask off of the villain like the big villain so i yeah, and then, like, his whole transformation into that weird fish dragon thing, like... Yeah, it looks so cool. It's so cool. Like, the trans translucence of it, and, like, I wonder if they use, like, actual, like, glow paint to, to get those effects, or whether mm. it's... Like, yeah. I, it's one of those, like, I liked that they showed us some of the behind-the-scenes, but I really want to see the behind-the-scenes on that one, because I want to know what it looked like. <laughs> yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, I think... That that whole fight sequence and the whole face, like face off between them, because like by that time Kubo does have the full armor, so I would imagine like, and they don't explicitly say it, but I'd imagine that because he has the full armor, he's now like pretty much fully protected, and the grandfather can't really mess with him all that much, because it is magic armor. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I just think it, it's a really interesting struggle because it's not just I'm going to fight you it's that struggle versus of family versus family because I mean they ultimately do want him to come home and be part of the family again so I think it's really right which I think is also and maybe maybe a little more more potent now that we've all gone through this whole COVID thing but like for sure the whole struggle of what your family wants versus what you think is right and and seeing each other's perspectives and bringing people around to to sort of see the good in one side versus the other which i'm not trying to make this political by any means but no but I, I know what you mean <laughs> dealing with that struggle. so i felt like on rewatching it that really stood out to me of that like he's trying to show his grandfather what he's learned by being in this this human world that it's not all misery and struggle and like terribleness the way his grandfather thinks it is that it's a really beautiful place and they're wonderful people and he 
he wants to keep his humanity even if it means he has to suffer kind of thing so yeah. i oh I yeah because he's like if if you give up that being human then you get to yeah. live forever so it's yeah, like why wouldn't you do him. that yeah <laughs> so so the father the grandfather really hated what his mother did because she decided to become human essentially right because i mean yeah, she he, gave up she gave up her immortality for this awful, filthy, terrible world in his view. Yeah. And why did he, like, he, he would have his daughters, like, go assassinate people. What was yeah. the reason, again, that he wanted them to do that? I think it was because Hanzo was trying to get the armor. Oh, and he okay. Didn't want anybody getting the armor to be too powerful to stand up to him? I'm not. I'm a little fuzzy on it, but I okay. Think it, it's that, probably just not important to the plot. It's just yeah, something I it's basically like I mean, I think the the more important part is that he really looks down on humanity and the world as like this sort of filthy vermin kind of situation. At least that's the the sense that I got from that whole scene. That so I think it's really just the the idea that his perfect immortal strongest eldest daughter would leave everything behind for this basically trash pile yeah <laughs> sort of a, a, like a little mermaid situation <laughs> yeah, like, yeah but not incorrect like <laughs> true like, like, little mermaid is more of like i mean honestly like yeah i, I i'll pick under the ocean the seriously her dad was little. right who are you going to listen to, this guy you just met or your dad? Come on. Yeah, He's exactly. got more experience. Yeah, I feel like this is a much better version of the who are you going to listen to, your dad or this guy you just met. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My favorite part of that scene, though, is when he uses, like, the the ancestors kind of bringing it back to, like, that earlier scene in the movie where all their spirits are there. And he talks about, like, the memories of them are powerful. Um, yeah. So that even when someone's gone you know, the memory of them is like they're alive and the memory of them is so important, uh, which I think is a sort of a, like a really good message about healing and about loss. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I, I like cried at that part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe well, it is because every everything <laughs> is so intense right now too, because I'm thinking about that kind of stuff more. But it was like, ugh, it was it was just so beautiful. It's just such a... I, I like when movies can look at death positively, if that makes sense. Like, stop. It, it's a part of life, and and we're so afraid to tackle it. And so when it's, when it's expressed in this way, I just think that that's really, really sweet. Because ultimately, he does lose his mother and his father. But then we see them at the end, like, you know, represented as, like those ghosts but yeah he's no, happy he's not unhappy yeah it's, it's the sort of bittersweet how to deal with grief portion that i think is mm -hmm. really really important with this movie because it does it sort of takes on what coco did but i think in a much more nuanced yes. and a little bit bigger way because it's Definitely. not even it's that whole final speech where he's talking about how yes sometimes life is gritty and dirty and unhappy and you're going to lose the people you love but the memories of the good times are worth it all anyway like yeah that that whole it's so powerful and I feel like I mean even even as an adult it gets me every time and even like I know it's coming and I'm like you're not going to cry this time we're not going to cry it's going to be okay and I'm just like <laughs> it's, so, it's true it's so true because <laughs> it, it definitely like 
yeah, it, it helps to sort of contextualize what's really important. And like, I don't know, for me, I think it, it sort of gets me out of my headspace of like daily grind and I got to do this and I got to take care of this and like there are bills and I got to do my stuff and versus like really brings it back to like it's it's the people around you it's the the good times that you have together and like the love shared that's really important and like things might be hard but those good times are what makes it all worth it so I think that like I don't know I feel like I've definitely gained an additional layer of perspective after everything we've been through in the last year that makes this movie even more important because I think it really drives home that it's it's your friends it's your family it's the family you choose along the way that that really makes things worth doing and gets you through the hard times anyway because even though Kubo's mother and father are gone he still has this entire village of people who are his friends like the the lady the old lady and like even like I really like and I think it's I'm pretty sure that's George Takei's character is the the father who with the little girl who's like super oh, yeah rambunctious and he's like and she, she just yells out stuff and he's like no 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 but he's like kind of horrified by some of the the paper violence in the beginning but like he comes around and like even yeah even though like he's sort of like spooked by some of the stories that Kubos tells he's still his friend he's still in his corner and this whole group of people who are there for him and care for him even though life is hard yeah. and and like it, and it's not just kubo defeating his grandfather it's the whole village's memories and love that ultimately transform him so i think that it, it's it's just such a powerful scene and such a powerful scene yeah yeah, and, and also I feel like I, you know, we, we've grown up in such a Western culture, although I, I mean, this was truthfully is written by Travis Knight and directed by him, but, <laughs> but um, you know, we, and I'm like an only child and like most of my extended family is, you know, either at the Southern uh, end of the state or in California. So I'm not with them all the time, but um, I think that I like this trend of films uh, thinking more about the whole instead of just the individual, because I feel like we are sort of in our society program to think about us as individuals. Not that that's not important, but because I think this story does take place in the East, that is more of a central focus is about the community, about his family. And I really resonate with stories that focus on that more. Um, you know, about like the support that he gets from the whole village, like that you were talking about and from his family. I think that's really cool. And it was also a theme as well in Coco, like not just thinking about yourself, but thinking about everybody else. Um, and and I, I like that because I think there's a time and a place, obviously, to follow your dreams and and to think about about you. But um, I, I like that we've kind of started to focus on everybody else as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's just another a layer and a perspective that we don't get presented as often. So yes. I, I would agree with you that I, I think it's really important that these stories are starting to, to become more normalized. And, and I think like going back to what you were saying earlier about the way they handle death and that death mm-hmm. isn't just the worst thing in the world. And like, it, it can be okay. And like, you can grow from it and it's not just, your life is over because somebody you lost somebody like you can move on you can grow and like yeah I, I think that the 
seeing those nuanced and subtle depictions are very important because I feel like the whole thing is also and I think that Coco did this a lot too that it's it's never it's not clear cut per se right. like right. like maybe maybe your matriarch is not overreacting when she says not to do this thing like there was a reason for all of this yeah and maybe like the person who presents themselves as somebody who cares about you and wants to look out for you is maybe not showing their true face because I feel like that's I'm, I'm finding a bunch of similarities between the two movies right now but <laughs> yeah but yeah I feel like I feel like those are both really important themes that I think I don't know I think just in general I'm glad that we're seeing more movies that aren't super dumbed down for kids yeah that aren't, aren't like, formulaic yeah, it's a quote-unquote kids movie, but this is really just a really good story that everybody should see. That and like you said, if you oh, go ahead, but sorry. It's also... Yeah, no, sorry, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. It's no, it's just it's it's digestible and a kid it's accessible to a kid because the main character is a kid. But I think that it should have won the Oscar. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> I get it, dude. I get it. And complex and important story that people of all ages need to hear. Yeah, 100%. And also just aesthetically, like you've talked about a lot, um, it is beautiful to look at and impressive. Like we, we talked about that boat scene earlier, and I was reading some, you know, uh, fact about it being like, you know, hundreds of thousands of little leaves that they like glued together. I mean, just the level of detail. And like you were saying earlier, the the very end scene where we see that battle where um, they got the sword out of that skeleton's head. Um, just how big that creature was that they yeah. created and filmed. And you're just like, you're just sitting there like, oh my God. Like, I think when we hear stop motion, at least for me, I always picture like small miniatures and yeah. this is huge. <laughs> you know, they had to give a real sense of scale. They can't all be the same size. Right. So they achieve that by literally making this giant, like, monster and it looks so impressive and so cool like i said there's a green screen behind it and you know that's how they did the background but the creature itself is just it's just it's art and and it makes me think like you know if a kid were to tell their parents like okay this is what i want to do i want to make this big skeleton thing and we're going to spend hours and hours and hours filming it uh you know your parents would be like that's nice uh are you gonna go to college uh, you know, why don't you major in something that makes money? Um, and I think somebody mentioned this about a week ago, and I think it's so true. You know, we, we use the phrase during this pandemic, uh, essential workers. And, it, and, and that makes sense, and I get it. But I will say that the art community has been completely overlooked in this conversation. You know, so many people lost their jobs, and so many people are out of work. And the work that they do, even though we don't label it as essential, it is extremely important. And I think that, you know, hopefully as things start to open back up, uh, some consideration is is paid to that in that, <clears throat> you know, people need to get help and compensation for the fact that, you know, we haven't had these things. And, you know, not having that for a year really makes you think about how important it is, you know. I would actually argue to say that we have had it for a year because we have literally relied on arts oh, to get us good through point. this whole thing. Like, true, true. I watched all of Netflix, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and 
this like, is so what true. I did for the last year is like, that's yeah. how I got by. Maybe so, I'm like, thinking of live performances. Are, yeah, but I mean, but it's true. <laughs> but I know what it you is mean. very true. But like, I think I, I agree that I think that the arts are are really overlooked, and I I think that like bringing it back to the giant skeleton, I honestly feel like seeing that end scene where you see the scale of that skeleton next to a human being mm -hmm. that thing freaked me out even more and I'm not, I, I <laughs> bring it up as one of my favorite scenes because it, it's a really good scene but I feel like the impact of the scene itself doesn't hit until you see the behind the scenes footage afterwards because it's like it is really scary in the moment in the film but like the way they filmed that after scene. So basically they, for those who did not listen to us and have not watched the movie, I'm going to describe the scene for you. <laughs> Go for but, it. Um, it's basically like how they put the, like you see them assembling this whole skeleton and you see like the armature that it's on lift up. Cause obviously that's something that that's that big needs a little bit of mechanical help to manipulate and pose. Uh, God, could you imagine doing that by hand? Like, yikes. no. Um, See, that's the one thing where, like, I always kind of wanted to, um, like, when I was younger, I wanted to work in animation, but when I realized how incredibly tedious it would be, <laughs> I was like, I don't, the desire is not strong enough. And so I didn't end up pursuing it. And this was after, like, reading books about, like, you know, traditional 2D animation, stop motion. I, like, was really into it as a child, but I ultimately was like, you know, I just, I don't think I can do it. Yeah, <laughs> Much it is respect. Super tedious, super tedious. But like, yeah, this thing, yeah. So I, I, it's 18 feet tall. It is an 18 feet tall, real life, giant, scary monster skeleton with eyes that turn on in real life because they're light bulbs. So like, just, but just seeing... So, so the armature goes up, and then when that skeleton turns towards the actual person who's standing next to it, oh, it, it creeps me out. Because, like, it is a monster. It is a literal, actual monster that they have fabricated in real life in the studio next to this dude. And yeah. it's just like, oh! So it, I feel like as cool as that scene is, the impact of it comes when you see later how big that actual model is. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, totally agree. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, so it just, it definitely, it, it gives a little more perspective to mm -hmm. just the whole film. Yeah, to the artistry, to yeah. the to level of detail, just how challenging it must have been to complete. So yeah, it really did deserve that Oscar. We're going to say it again. I was going to say, I will, I will stand on my box and yell at anybody who will listen. So... <laughs> 100% yeah, no, support really that. it is just like, just an incredible movie. Just everything I've learned about it, everything, like, the way it was crafted, how long it took to do, the fact that it's longer than any other stop-motion film. It's just, it's really well-crafted from end to end, from the story, yes. from the animation, from the acting, just very 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 well done oscar worthy some might say <laughs> <laughs> some might say that um well jenny is there anything that we missed in this discussion that you wanted to talk about yes so i think the one thing that we haven't really talked about yet which i think is 
like I'm ashamed of myself that I didn't think about it earlier. Um, the soundtrack. The oh, you're right. It's beautiful. The soundtrack is amazing. And I also just, yeah, it's, it's even though the only real like name song is the end credit song. Uh-huh. I think it's just, it's very, it's very well, well done. And the end credit song is a Beatles song. It is, which I think is, is I really like the, uh, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge there of bringing the Beatle back in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I thought but that I was actually, cool. I was yeah. like, this song sounds familiar. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. It's a Regina Spector covering, um, while my, my, while my guitar gently weeps. So not only is it a Beatle song, it's about a stringed instrument. So it was mm. like, ha ha, I see what you did there. Um, but I actually, um, love that cover so much i ended up my first aerial performance that i ever did because i it's another hobby of mine that's the song that i chose because this movie stuck with me so much and the songs and just the the arrangements of it are so well done and so like they get me right in the chest um yeah. But yeah, it just it, it moved me enough to create sort of my own piece to sort of accompany it. So I had to had to bring up the soundtrack because I also believe and please don't be mean if I'm wrong about this, but I believe <laughs> that a lot of the actual soundtrack, like the background music, is using the shamisen as well. So oh. I thought good because that's not a an instrument that you hear a lot of the time and it it's i just like that they kept true to that and that it was mm-hmm. incorporated throughout because it's in the movie's title it's two strings yes so, and so, that yeah. sounds right to me i mean i'm no expert <laughs> but i agree with you <laughs> well this brings me to my last couple of questions then uh why what why do you think you like this movie so much why do you think you keep returning to it I would have to say the complexity. It's yeah. another of those movies, which I think we sort of touched about this on the Princess Mononoke episode, if it's just there's so much going on in it that I don't get tired of watching it. I pick up something new each time, and even the times that I don't necessarily pick up something new, I will appreciate something in more depth each time I watch it. So it's just, it has, it because it's so complex, it just has a lot of rewatch value and a lot of good stuff to get from it i sort of ran out of words (laughs) no you're fine no i agree it's um very nuanced it's beautiful Uh, like i said at the beginning i think a little ahead of its time and just deserves more attention i mean i hope that this discussion inspires more people to go see it because i i wish i had seen it sooner um and nick has he's probably if he can hear us right now he's probably irritated because he's asked me to watch this several times (laughs) And it's like one of those things that we keep almost watching and not watching, but um, yeah. So, so how? What, what's your like theater? Pi- theater? Pi- uh, what is your elevator pitch? I don't think yeah. there's a thing such a thing as a theater pitch, but what's your elevator pitch? I feel like the theater pitch would involve like jazz hands and tapping a little bit more, but <laughs> yeah, that's interpretive dance. <laughs> okay, so my elevator dance. pitch is. Oh God! Oh, it's so complex. How do I elevator pitch it? Um, <laughs> So if you like movies that are very subtle and nuanced and then visually pleasing, you should watch this movie because it has everything. It's beautifully done. It has very interesting characters and the the story arc is unexpected. Agreed. 
Yeah, and I would also say, like, if you like movies like um, Coco or, you know, uh, or even Raya, um, it's like that. I mean, it's it's deep. It's got that, you know, Pixar hit you in the feels kind of vibe. You will cry. You will cry. Yeah, um, you do you cry. like crying? Uh, this is a new free... No, but it, it is so cry. beautiful. It is, that, it is. I will yeah. say, it's a, it's a happy cry because it's just, it's there's a lot of feelings. If you need to get your feels out, it's okay. That's okay. You can have those feelings. So yeah, it's, it's a good cry. It's not a, you'll be depressed forever. It's a bittersweet, like, yeah, sometimes sad things happen, but it's going to be okay. Kind of cry. Exactly. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for joining me tonight to talk about this movie. Um, you know, I, I really want to have you back again, obviously, to talk about more. Uh, where can people find you? Um, I am on the Facebooks. Um, um, I guess my cosplay page is Jenny Bunny ATX, um, which is also on Instagram if you want to find me there. Um, my other accounts are pretty locked down, so you'll probably also find me in the I Love That Movie facebook group i do comment there sometimes but for the most part yeah cosplay page is where you can find me sounds good well thanks again <laughs> you're very welcome anytime i'm i'm very excited to uh push off more weird obscure things into your periphery <laughs> well i appreciate that <laughs>